y'all. Welcome to another episode of Grab Your Stuff Podcast. I am your hostess, your cousin, your girl, your BFF, well, maybe not your BFF, but your favorite coach, Vernique Esther, founder and creator of Authentically Wed. Um, and I'm just excited to be here. I'm excited to be here today. First of all, happy new year to y'all. We made it to 2022. Come on. And listen, I'm saying we made it to 2022 and I literally mean we made it to 2022. I don't know if I don't mean to get church, but I don't know if your testimony was like mine in 2021, but I am excited to be here. One in the land of the living. Amen. But also to literally be able to turn over a new page, start over, try again. Um, and all the beauty that comes with a new year. So I hope that you're enjoying the beginning of your new year already and that you have set goals and you have made plans and you have had fun and that you're resting, um, and all these good things. So Welcome to this next episode of Grab Yourself Podcast. We are in my home. We're in my home, y'all. We are in my personal sanctuary. We wanted to try something different. Um, and I hope that the intimacy of this moment, not only are we in my own my home, but we're actually in my room, y'all. And a lot of people don't get to be in my room. But I figured that the intimacy of this moment, of this episode, um, and a few of the episodes to follow will, if I, you know, kind of let you in my home, maybe you'll let me in yours uh, so that way we can heal and, and, you know, improve our relationships together. So as you know, we start off every episode with, let me put you on, let me put you on, Let, let, let me put you, the song changes every time. But if you're out there and you're watching, I, I want a song. I want a theme song and I want a song for Let Me Put You On. But um, Let Me Put You On today is so fitting because of what we're talking about today. Um, obviously, the episode is titled Perfectionist Rehab. And my Let Me Put You On is Ashwagandha Goalie Gummy. Yes, y'all. So this... Um, somebody recommended... I have a friend of mine who's a um, naturopathic doctor... Um, her name is Gertrice, I believe on Instagram. She's at music and medicine. It's like music, something in medicine. I can't remember. But um, Gertrice Thomas, and she was talking to me about the benefits of ashwagandha. Um, for those of y'all who know or don't know, um, I wrestle with anxiety. And so I'm always looking for things to um, help me maintain my mental wellness and all these different types of things. And she recommended ashwagandha like in a more pure form. But I ran across these gummies one day. Um, at the store and of course I saw them advertised and I've been trying them um, for several several months now and y'all I really like them um, if you have issues with anxiety if you have issues sleeping um, it's really helpful for that I've also heard I have not experienced this but when Auntie Tab Tabitha Brown talks about it um, she talks about how it also increases kind of your sex drive um, so if you're married and you're watching this this and you kind of you know want to bump up your sex drive a little bit um, this supposedly helps I have not experienced those side effects by the grace of God but um, it really helps me calm down y'all my producer is looking at me and I can't right now, but he married. He probably going to buy some on the way home. Okay. <laughs> but, um, these, like, they really help you, um, with sleep, with kind of being more chill throughout the day. It's not like an overt feeling, right? Like not quite like how you would feel maybe if you took medicine, but it really does help after like a week, maybe even three, four days, I started to see a difference, um, in my racing thoughts. It really just helps me to kind of ease up a little bit. So I really like it for that reason. So, um, yeah, grab you some, you can get it at your local CVS Walgreens. If you order online, um, you may be able to use a code. So stay tuned for that. Now we are at the episode y'all. I really have to take a deep breath because we're going to talk about something 
that is very real for me, um, but something that I actively fight against and that I know is really real for some of you guys. For some of my clients that I've worked with, perfectionism is a thing. It's a thing, um, especially for high achieving women. Um, it's a, a, a big it's a, it's a thing that they wrestle with often because because of all these things that we're going to talk about today. So I want to start off the episode by saying, hi, my name is Vernique and I'm a perfectionist. Don't be rude. Say it back. Mm hmm. You supposed to say hi, Vernique, you know, if we were all in therapy. <laughs> but um, y'all, perfectionism has really had a chokehold on my life um, for as long as I can remember before I even knew a word for it. Right before I went to school and I, I got my master's and learned about therapeutic interventions and defense mechanisms and CBT, all those things. Perfectionism was already working in my life. <clears throat> even as a child. Um, and it's interesting how like it pops up in these different places, even now as an adult and even as I'm more aware. It all it, it surprises me sometimes how it pops up, but that's the thing about trauma that I teach um, is that like the effects of trauma, they linger. It's almost like this underlying thing, right? And, and then it pops up and it, it interrupts different aspects of your life. And if you're not intentional about healing and if you don't take the time um, to become self-aware, it'll keep living kind of behind the scenes. Right. Trauma is not trauma is loud in the beginning and it's real quiet afterwards, but just enough to interrupt the aspects of your life that are that are important to you. So today I want to welcome you to rehab. All right. We're going to get it together. Now, um, I want to define perfectionism in a general sense. What it is is a broad personality style characterized by a person's concern for with striving for flawlessness and perfection and is accompanied, get this, by critical self-evaluations and concerns regarding others' evaluations. So not only does perfectionism affect um, how you see yourself, but it also makes you concerned with how other people see you. Now, um, in therapy, my therapist sent me like the different types of perfectionism. And it was very interesting. If you're in um, the Patreon, I'm actually going to upload the document for you. So that way you can check it out. And so there are different types, right? There are types that are concerned with yourself, others, um, with uh, there's one that's kind of leaning more towards pride. Like there are these different things Join the Patreon. So that way you can get that information. But it was interesting to see what types of perfectionism I have and what types I don't. But in broad definition, it's about flawlessness, perfectionism, overly self-critique, while also being concerned about other people's opinions. Do you know how heavy it is to live a life that is overly critique because you're already you're already trying to anticipate what people think about you you have your own preconceived notions about where you should be where others should be and then you're also carrying the weight of other people's opinions and a lot of you may feel like oh I don't care what people think but I guarantee you that there are aspects of your life that you have specifically done only because other people you you consider other people's opinions about it we are not nobody is above the opinion, like wanting to, to appease, I guess, the opinions of other people, how much you do it, you know, may vary, but we all have this small or big piece of us that is concerned with other people's perspectives, right? And their evaluations. So how does this show up? There are different ways that perfectionism can show up. It can show up in how you overwork yourself at your job, right? Like you're, you're not getting a raise. You're not, you know, no, nobody is asking you to do some of these things, but you're going way above and beyond. You, you can't move on to the next project because you're like, I need to get this perfect before I can do the next thing. Um, and, and you, you end up like everybody sees you at work as this overachiever, but you're exhausted, right? 
Um, another way they can show up is like in your marriage or in your relationships, your intimate relationships, you make a mistake and your partner forgives you, but you have a hard time moving past it. You want to keep trying to apologize, apologize, keep trying to make amends. Um, or, or your spouse is not asking for certain things, right? Your spouse doesn't care whether or not they have a fresh meal every night, but you make sure that you have it every, you, you cook a new meal every single day. So that way, you know, they have what they need, but you're, you're, your sides, you're, you're implementing the things that, that other people may expect of you, right? A wife should be cooking every day or a husband should be, you know, um, taking out the trash every day or whatever. You're overlooking the, the needs of your household because you're more concerned with the opinions and perspective of people of what's going on in your household, right? Another way, if you are a business owner and you have a hard time executing, so you would think that you're lazy and that's the thing about perfectionism. It's so sneaky. It looks like you're lazy. You feel like you're lazy. Other people may tell you you're lazy, but you have what me and my friend talk about all the time, analysis paralysis, right? You you are unable to move forward in your business or in these projects or to launch that product or service or whatever because you are crippled by the idea that you might fail. And so if you can't do it perfect, you won't do it at all. And it's weird because perfectionism is normally characterized by, you know, achieving, by achievement. But perfectionism can also be characterized by lack thereof. So some of you aren't lazy. You're you're being a perfectionist, a perfectionist and you're scared. Right. So these are some of the ways that it can show up. Now, I can't talk about all of the ways and all of the places that it can stem from. Right. Because there are so many. But for those of you who wrestle with anxiety, right, who are either diagnosed or have characteristics of anxiety, um, for those of you who grew up in an environment where, hey, you got to get it right. You got to make sure that that you're doing everything. And there was not very a lot of room for error. So you have a type A personality. Right. Um, in relationships. So uh, I was in a relationship where I was expected to do everything right. And so that heightened my per- the perfectionism that was already there. It heightened it. Um, there was not a whole lot of room for error. There was not a whole lot of grace. And so I learned in that relationship that, you know what? Mistakes are bad. And if you don't get it right the first time then you're failing as a partner, right? So there are these different ways. It's either, it can be chemical and biological, or excuse me, chemical and psychological, or it can be environmental. It can be from your childhood interactions, right? Or just your own, um, just over overly critiquing. But a lot of times people don't just wake up and are overly critiquing themselves. They learn that behavior from other people. So um, the biggest areas where um perfectionism shows up for me is the fear of failure y'all i hate being wrong i really do and it sounds crazy as somebody who's always talking about grace and give yourself grace and rest and i hate being wrong And it's not about other people it's not that i hate being wrong in my relationships because i'm gonna apologize in a minute okay if i even feel like i did somebody wrong i'm like oh my god like how can i fix it right i don't have a problem being wrong in my relationships i have a problem being wrong or failing within myself so I have these ridiculously high and sometimes like unrealistic standards and and um goals and that I that I hold myself to now I won't hold my clients to those things I'll help them set realistic goals I won't hold my friends to those things because I understand that they have a life and there's grace for them and all those other things there is room and grace for everybody else but I don't always give that space for myself Right. So somewhere along the line, I've convinced myself that mistakes are not an option. 
So it cripples sometimes my ability to produce or to um, to produce at, at what is easily attainable. Like anytime I do anything, and this can be a good or a bad thing, but when I do anything, especially for Authentically Wed, when we do events, when we come out with products, I have to be able to, I don't have, um, in the tech world, they have different, um, like they release stuff in, what's it called? They release stuff kind of like, you know, like you'll have the iOS one and then they'll upgrade you to the whatever. And now we're at like iOS 14.2.1 or whatever. Like they release things in phases is the word I was looking for. They release things in phases. They don't mind giving you the pro. They might even have the ability to have to build the iPhone 20 right now. But we're only at, you know, 13 because this is the phase that they wanted to to work on and release and perfect. Like they have no problem releasing prototypes. They have no problem re- beta testing, right? And testing things and seeing if they work. Me, I have to be able to, at day one, give you the iPhone 25. So the issue with that is not that I want things to be amazing. It's that I'm stopping progress and I'm stopping the process of learning along the way because I want to get it right all at the same time. So one of the things that I have to do is to learn to pace myself. I'm, I really try to be intentional about pacing myself. And what is the simplest thing that I can create now to release or to, to accomplish or to, you know, invite people to. Um, and so that way we just get to the point. Sometimes we miss the point when we're so worried about all the various details of a thing. Right. Sometimes let's get to the point and then we build out from there. And the thing about it is, especially for business owners, there's just some tea for you. People like following the process. People like seeing your progress. Like if they show up at day one and it's like perfect, that's cool. But they don't get to learn with you. They don't get to grow with you. They don't see you as a person. And so one thing that I've been able to do over the last, you know, three, almost four years is to, to create an audience that understands my humanity, but also respects my expertise. Right. But sometimes I struggle with, um, you know, not needing to get it all the way together the first time. So the issue is that like when I put in all that effort, then I experience failure. Right. And I say that in quotes because we understand that every failure is not a true failure. Some failures are. And I think that sometimes in our society, we like to sugarcoat everything and reframe everything. And as a um, trained, you know, therapist, like I, I understand the value of reframing, but something just fall flat. Right. You can take you can take the lesson from it, but sometimes it just don't work. But when I experience failure or things that look like failure, or any type of mistake, sometimes the fallout for me, the emotional fallout for me is big. Right. There's like this big like disappointment. There's this big like it's like a, a, a weight on me. Right. And then I have to go through a recovery process. And that that sometimes takes me a second. So um, <clears throat> the thing about perfectionism and why it's so problematic, not only for you as an individual and as a relating human being, as a, as a relating person, even as a believer, for those of you who are listening, who are Christians, what it says is that it removes us from the reality that we need a savior. I don't want you to miss that. Perfectionism removes us from the reality that we need a savior because the, the point of the matter is the reason why Jesus had to come down into the earth and die for us and, and all these various things is not because we had it together. Is because we utterly did not have it together, right? And by his grace, we are now able to do more and be more and be draw closer to him, right? We, we now don't have to go through all these various rituals and, and cleaning and being perfect and following rules um, in the same way that we did before because he has bridged the gap. 
right? He recognized our imperfection. He covered it and has still allowed us a way um, to get to him without having to be perfect because we couldn't do it. Now, the Bible does talk about, and so this is for my, my people who like to, to argue about the Bible. The Bible does talk about, you know, be perfect for I am perfect and, and different things like that. But I think that one, that is a process. And two, the perfection that God is calling us to is not the lack of mistakes, but actually an elevation in our maturity, an elevation in our perspective, right? Because you're, if you're not growing, essentially you're dying. And so... Um, that's the, 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 the issue is that perfectionism erases grace from the picture and removes us from the redemption experience that Jesus Christ died for us to have. Now, pre new covenant, it was one and done, right? But post we have grace to catch us when we fall. And when we are operating in perfectionism, we remove that grace. And, and what happens is now you're, instead of having the grace to kind of get back up, now you're having a concussion. And the, the imagery that I have in my mind is a friend of mine, we were talking, um, it was like maybe a year and a half or, or more ago. And he said that um, grace is, is more like a trampoline, right? And what it does is, am I going to fall? Sure. But when, I, when my back hits that trampoline, I'm able to jump back up and keep moving, right? It's, it's not a, a fall that leads to death. It's not a fall that can, can harm me truly. Right. I'll learn to jump different, to walk different, to maneuver different. Um, but the thing is, when you have perfectionism, you're like, I don't want that grace. I don't want the opportunity to to keep. Um, I, I don't even want to have to deal with the fall. But the issue is you're going to fall. Sometimes you're just going to fall. And I'd rather fall with a trampoline and some pillows behind me than fall flat on the concrete because I didn't want to receive the grace, the, the, the gift of grace. OK, um, when you are a perfectionist. You, you really struggle with grace. And I know I had an issue where like, I actually hated it. I was like, God, I would literally pray. I'd be like, God, I hate that. I need so much grace sometimes. I hate that, that I can't always, you know, just get it right and move forward. And, and I feel like, um, in those moments, God was like, girl, you will never outrun my grace. You will never get to a point <clears throat> where you don't need it, where, where it's not operational, Right. You can walk away from it if you want to, but it's always going to be there and you're always going to need it. And God doesn't see us as less because we need grace. I think growing up in church, for many of us who grew up in church, we, we learned kind of a, a slightly false gospel that um, this idea that, you know, eventually God gets tired of picking up after us. Right. You, you know, sometimes we can we can abuse grace. Sometimes we can overuse grace. And I was I was preaching messages like that, but I don't think that it's biblical. And I'm not a theologian, um, but as a as a, a student of the word, the, the word talks about how um, <clears throat> how we can't outrun grace. I believe it was Paul who talked about um, there. There is like no I got to remember the scripture. I'm going to post it in, in Patreon. But um, there's a scripture that pretty much talks about how like. We, we can't run out of grace. Like it's a, it's the most renewable resource, you know, that we have. We can't, we can't run out of it. And there's no way truly for us to abuse it because it's freely given. Right. And so, um, I really want us to kind of get out of that space where, where we really forego grace <clears throat> and decide to walk in perfectionism because honestly, it does not profit us whatsoever. Perfectionism not only does it does it have us a sidestep grace, but it's actually the worst motivator. I used to think that because I was a perfectionism, it just meant that I cared more than other people. And to an extent, yes, right? It means that like I was bound to 
to do excellent work because I cared so much and I wanted it to be perfect. And other people, you know, they just throw stuff together, but I really care. But the thing about it is those people were progressing and I was stuck in a moment because I wanted to build a perfect house. It literally chokes the life out of you until you feel restricted and defined by what you do well and not the fullness of who you are. Perfectionism reduces you to tasks. Oh, that was good. That wasn't even in my notes. Perfectionism reduces the totality of your humanity to tasks. And you are not a machine. You are not a robot. You are a person that has experiences and that has traveled through life and that's going to continue to travel through life. And you need to give yourself the room to live it out fully, mistakes and all. So the truth is perfectionism is a lie. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of our cognitive distortions. Right. Google that. Google cognitive distortions. (laughs) And it doesn't rightly reflect the real world. In the real world, people make decisions every day, right? And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. But we all, our job is to learn and to move on. Everybody else keeps trying. The top 1% keeps trying. Do you know how many failed businesses people have before they get to the right business? Do you know how long people work on an idea and keep and keep changing it and tweaking it and, and all of that before they get to Amazon, before they get to Oprah, Right? They launch the business, they shoot their shot, they take the trip, they heal, and then they move forward. Don't let perfectionism keep you in a season longer than you have to be because you're dwelling in the mistakes that you have made and the things that you have not yet accomplished. Forgetting those things, I was just meditating on those on this scripture yesterday, I believe it's uh, Philippians 4, 12, um, I may be wrong, but um, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward towards those things which are ahead. Forget, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Forget those things that are behind and press on towards the mark. And actually, um, I I have more notes, but I really, I kind of want to end it here. I kind of want to end it here. And I'm going to read that scripture because it really impacted me yesterday. Philippians 3, 12. Not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on. So that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Forget and reach forward. That is your word for the new year. That is your word for 2022. Forget and reach forward. Run your race. Don't run the race of perfectionism. Run the race of grace. Run the race of grace. You'll get farther. All right. So, um, the, I have so many more notes, but I'm actually, what I'll do is I'll release all of my notes to Patreon. I'll release this entire episode script to Patreon. Um, so that way you can get the fullness of what I had to say. Um, but I I really believe that that was, that was where the Holy spirit was leading me to that point right there. Um, so what are we grabbing today? What are we grabbing? We are grabbing, for one, our sanity. Because perfectionism will make you think that you're crazy. Or will make you crazy, right? We're grabbing our sanity. We're grabbing the gift of making mistakes without fear. And we're grabbing our power to operate in excellence without the need to be perfect. You can excel 
and not be perfect. All right. So that brings us to our next segment. Questions and confessions. Questions and confessions. All right. So our questions and confessions comes to us today by way of Facebook. And remember, if you have a question or a confession, if you want to ask a question on the show, um, just go to admin at authenticallywed.com. That's admin at authenticallywed.com. Title it questions and confessions. And then ask me your question, whatever it is that you want me to answer on the show. Or if you have a situation scenario that you want me to kind of dissect, send that over to me. Okay. All right. So here's the situation. My husband and I have become dysfunctional and I don't know um, how we can come back from it. We've been married three years. We are discussing divorce until we find out the root of my problems, our problems. My husband wanted to see another woman and still be with me. I couldn't imagine being without him. So we opened our relationship. We both had outside relationships. I have trouble keeping other relationships going once I tell them about my open marriage with my husband. Every time I get serious with someone, they ask me to leave him and I end up dumping the guy. The the open marriage is not working for me. I want to close our marriage and I'm afraid my husband will not want to. I fear that this is the end of my marriage and I am not ready. How do I prepare for my marriage to end? So everybody, or excuse me, how do I prepare myself for my marriage to end? Oh yeah, that's what she said. Okay. So it's funny that I chose this one. Am I here for open relationships? Not technically. I know that's a weird answer, but um, let me give you some background. So for one, as a, my original, my first degree, excuse me, is um, in sociology and anthropology. So my bachelor's degree is sociology and anthropology. So I've done a lot of study on societies, cultures, um, language, and just the way people interact, right? So I have a big, and I also grew up um, in a household that was Christian, but my mom really exposed me to various cultures and ways of living. So from a sociological and anthropological lens, I do not have a problem with with open marriages and, and relationships. I can understand why they exist. And I think for some people, it serves their purpose. Right. Um, as believers, I don't know that that is God's plans for us. I hear you now. Yes. Abraham, David, Solomon, they all had technically open marriages. Um, but that was a cultural thing that had nothing to do with what God's desire and intent was for marriage. We have to remember to be able to differentiate between God's intent and desire and what people do and what he allows. Okay, that's a theological lesson for another day. Um, So I believe that there was grace for them to do that, especially in a culture and a society where um, women were did not have the same type of power that they have now. And it was culturally and um, economically uh, preferential to have um, multiple spouses and concubines and things like that, because it actually helped to perpetuate um, wealth and, and to um, increase, uh, like to help like following generations, et cetera, et cetera. I'm trying to give y'all the short version before I give y'all my answer. So um, that that is my perspective. Like, I don't think that that's God's intent and design. And I also think that there's a difference between open marriages and um, Lord, I'm blanking on the word, but there's a difference between open marriages and um polygamy or polyandry but i think polygamy is a little bit more if i had to choose like a more christian way i guess it would be polygamy but um there's a difference right because covenant is actually in polyamory i mean not polyamory yeah polyamory like so people who get married like you know the um what's that show where it's like the husband and then he has four wives 
there's there's individual covenants. What did you say? Sister wives. There are actually individual covenants established and that man has, um, you know, created an environment where all of those women are being taken care of. Um, having an open relationship or uh, no, polyamory is not the same. I'm talking about polygamy. Polyamory um, is just like the ability for you to freely love whoever it is that you want to love. You can have different clusters of those relationships, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not an expert in that. Um, but I think that there is no covenant there. There are no covenants there whatsoever, except for maybe the main relationship. Right. So I, I, I think that that's kind of the issue with that. Um, specifically with this scenario. But the other thing <clears throat> is that if you get to the point, and I'm going to take the Christian lens off really quick. If you get to the point where you desire to have an open marriage and you move forward in that, in that, um, you have to have rules, you have to have boundaries, and you have to decide what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so while she was, um, you know, and, and also it's a risk. So I listened to Esther Perel a lot. She is a um, marriage and family therapist. She is amazing. Um, <clears throat> and she has counseled open relationships. And the biggest issue is one person always gets over it. They're always scared. There's always one person who wanted it and the other person who went along with it. And I think that's the biggest issue is that somebody is always going to feel slighted and, and want to jump off the boat. And the other person is having the time of their lives. And so there has to be a lot, a lot, a lot of trust. Open marriages should not be the solution for a marriage that is falling apart. It's actually, if somebody, if y'all going to do it, it actually has to be on a, found, on a secure foundation. For example, we see in you, right? That couple that was into like swinging and all that kind of stuff. They were like, oh yeah, if you're still arguing about it, we can't move forward with you. You know, you need to have, it's not a solution for broken marriages. It's actually a solution for marriages that have a really strong foundation and want to enrich or whatever. Don't recommend, but... That's kind of, you know, from a therapeutic lens, that's kind of how it works. For the young lady here, you have to have an honest conversation with your spouse and let him know how you're feeling. If he honors that, he'll, you know, move forward and make those arrangements. If not, he may have already had one foot out the door, depending on the state of your marriage prior to you guys deciding to open it up. And so um, I don't know if you want to prepare yourself for your marriage to end, you can buy my, come on, plug. You can buy my book when seasons change. Okay. A divorce recovery interactive devotional to prepare your heart and mind. Um, I hope that y'all don't get divorced, but have a conversation first, have a conversation with a professional first. Okay. Don't just have this conversation on your own. If they're willing to go to therapy, have that conversation with them there. So that way you guys can discuss, hopefully get to the underlying issues in your marriage. Um, because it seems like she did it under duress in the first place. And yeah, so that is my answer to today's questions and confessions. It was a lot of historical and psychological and sociological background, but maybe you learned something today. Maybe you didn't. So other than that, um, I have some pretty cool things coming up in this new year. Um, I have some major announcements that I don't think I can announce yet, um, but we are, let me just say, there's an event cooking up that all my singles are going to want to stay tuned for it's gonna be big okay and then the other thing is my dms um heal for real is gonna make a comeback i've been kind of wrestling with it and um it's been we're coming up on a year since the last cohort and um so if you're interested in really 
getting to the space of healing this year in a practical, intentional, and spiritual way with steps and somebody to hold your hand in the community to go through it with, I want you to email me, admin at authentically with. All you got to do is put H4R. All you got to do is put H4R in the subject line. You can even just put hi in the actual message, whatever you got to do. But all you have to do is send that, or you can DM me at Authentically Wed um, on Instagram and DM me H4R, and I will get you on the wait list. Yes, we already have a wait list because people have been asking me in my DMs. So um, get on the wait list. We'll open it up and we'll do, we'll, I'll open that group coaching program back up so that way you can heal for real and, and, and start 2022 with the, the heart and the mind that you need to conquer. All right. All right. That's it. You can follow me at Authentically Wed, at Authentically Wed on all platforms. Join the Facebook group. Join the Patreon. Obviously, I'm about to be giving them some goodies um, coming up soon. And I'll see you on the next episode. Oh, my sign off for today. So my sign off for today is don't cast your pearls to swine, but don't cast your ring pops either, girl. Until next time, grab your stuff. Let's go.